came up to me and said, hey, I wanted to listen to the class on podcast. I'm just, I think I forgot. All right. Uh, so quick review. A lot of you were gone last week for fall break. Welcome back. So we'll do a quick review of what we did last week. And then we're going to jump in with some, a few new things. And then we're going to have a, a simulation where you actually get to practice apologizing to one another. And I will, once again, use my rule of no married couples. Uh, during this because they'll turn into apologizing for everything else too. So frankly, we don't have time for that. So uh, I asked the question last week. I said, what makes a good apology? And several of you, you know, raised your hand and gave, gave some ideas. And they were right here. We had sincerity. We had acknowledgement of specifics. And I went back and looked and I did spell acknowledgement right, which made me happy. Uh, taking responsibility. Changed actions, which is really great. Uh, seriousness which is something I fail at all the time in an apology. Tonal appropriateness, humility, uh, making amends, acknowledging the victim's feelings, face-to-face, -face, and some sort of interaction. Number 10 was interesting. I, I teach this apology course in a cross-cultural setting. There are many uh, cultures around the world, say if you were in East Asia, um, where if you had offended someone, you went and apologized to them face to face, you would offend them further. It would be the exact wrong thing to do. So this idea of what makes a good apology is, is a Western cu culture list. If I were teaching this class in Tokyo, this class would look a lot different. It would talk about selecting the right friend to go to the other person. Steve, uh, who's still you know recovering from his leg, um, tells a great story. He was in Korea. Uh, and a lot of you know that we have a relationship with a sister school in South Korea. And he went to visit. And he had a meeting with the president of the school. And so he got to the place where they were supposed to meet and waited. And no one showed up and waited. And no one showed up. And no one showed. And Steve was going all the way to South Korea for this meeting. And so he's in this hotel room um, that night. I think it was around 9 o'clock, Steve says. He gets a knock on the door. You know, and... Uh, this is one of the rare times when Steve has both legs working. So Steve gets up, he goes to the door, and he opens up, and the vice president of the university is there. And he comes in, and he hands Steve a bottle of sake. So he's like, I don't even know what to do with this. You know? <laughs> um, and he says, I apologize on behalf of the president. Now, Steve's from West Texas. <laughs> and Steve's thinking, why didn't he come talk to me? And he asked the guys, like, why didn't, why didn't the president come talk to me? He said, uh, was he afraid to talk to me? I'm a nice guy. He doesn't have to worry about me. You know? He said, no, for him to come to apologize to you would have insulted you. We wanted to honor you, and here's a gift with our apology. So Steve tells that story, and I, I like that, right? That's just a very interesting way um, that they handle things. So if you were somewhere else and you offend somebody, send someone else to do your dirty work for you. Which is kind of nice. Um, we make it a little harder on people here, maybe. <clears throat> so we talked about those elements. And then we talked about preparing relationship. And the fact that we need these apologies because my clicker's not working. And I'm sorry for that because I forgot to turn it on. I'm truly sorry. I will make amends. I will change my actions. <laughs> Can you need somebody to apologize for you? No, no, we're here in Tennessee. I got to do it myself. So I'll stand in front of you all. That's good. Enough, me. All right. We talked about how we're all this circle, okay? 
And we all have something inside of us every day, some sort of inner turmoil, uh, something's wrong. And my shorthand for that that I borrowed from another professor is the red squiggles. And we all have our red squiggles. What are some of your red squiggles today? No one has a red squiggle. <laughs> Can you give an example? Tired. You're tired? Don't want to go to the grocery store today. Don't want to go to the grocery store. That happens. That's, that's good. You have people coming over, or you just got to get ready for the week? or Just ready for the week. Get ready for the week. There's a lot of details to get done before Monday. More squiggles. What else? He's got a project due this week. He's got a project due. <laughs> has, has, has your child made sufficient progress on this project? No. <laughs> and so we're going to have to confront our child about this, right? So there's another squiggle that's going to come. Maybe a disagreement with spouse. A disagreement, a hanging disagreement with the spouse. Maybe you got lots of things to do, so you arrive to class late and you're worried about how the teacher's going to feel about you. <laughs> or maybe not. I'm not even listening, so. Right. <laughs> not everybody shares that school. Mine is I got about six things I want to do this afternoon, and because of the, the way the timing of the morning's worked out, I'm going to get to do maybe one of them. And so, oh, it's all selfish stuff. I'm, I'm going to go check before I have lunch today. So I got lots of squiggles too, right? We all we all have them. And the problem is when we uh, get crossways with somebody, and he's got his squiggles, and he's got a little bit of anxiety, and I've got my squiggles a little bit of anxiety. Guess what? It's gonna be harder for us to get along here. We see this all the time with uh, couples in marital conflict, right? They've each got their own issues, and their little soft spots and their tender spots, and they each have their problems processing their own conflict. And then when they get together, they touch the buttons, and then. It blows up real quickly, and over time, that happens a lot too. So what we do is we talk about with multiple people, they have their own squiggles, but then squiggles appear between them, and that's what we do on the conflict management side. We teach people how to deal with their own squiggles, yes, but how to deal with this space and understanding the causes of this space. Any, any reaction to that, any reflection on what that is? By now, both of you have seen that probably twice in Okay, so we talk about one way to take care of the squiggle, which we did in the first week, maybe the first or second week, when I got up and talked to you about negotiation, which is the thing I love to teach and train and do. I'm that weird guy that goes to 10 different car lots. I'll drive cars for weeks before they finally get fed up and like beg me to make a deal with them. That's my favorite thing. And some of you, as we've noted before, would rather pay sticker. Just get me in and out of the lot, right? This is my favorite thing. This. Negotiation is a way to handle conflict, but that's just one tool. And in this class, it's especially appropriate for us as we offend people throughout our lives and are constantly offended um, by other people, it happens, to learn the skill of apology. And that's what we're gonna talk about today, is relationship repair using apology. It's one way to work on this. So, well, I showed you this slide. Anybody remember the story behind this? What was the story? The man and chicken, one day must be third, one day to apologize. Yes, in the UK, the KFC there uh, ran out of chicken due to logistical failures. And so they put out this apology, kind of owning it, with kind of a hilarious reversal of the letters. Uh, and uh, I had to get clearance from like six people to show this at church. <laughs> um, and uh, I should have talked to the communications minister. I didn't really think that through. Um, 
And this was the hilarious part. It went viral. They made amends. They offered free chicken on top of it all, right? And people loved them, and business was booming after that, right? So we talked about that. And then we talked about another way people try to repair relationships, right? And we remember that this very moment in our nation's history when uh, President Clinton said something that wasn't entirely true, right? And what do we call that an example of? A lie. It's a lie. <laughs> it is absolutely a lie. And he, remember later he gets on national TV again. What's the definition of it? Yeah, it depends on what is is, but he, uh, he also says, yeah, I kind of sort of did definitely have an inappropriate relationship, which definitely maybe sort of kind of totally was sexual in nature, right? We call this a denial, right? When someone's been offended and they come to us and said, you did this and it hurt me. And they're like, oh, that wasn't me. That was, or that didn't happen. It's a denial. We do that to save our face because confronting uh, the truth is hard. A wife approaches her husband and says, you've been doing this and it hurts me. And he says, I didn't do that. Right? I'm sure it's never happened in this room. No one's experienced that. But mm -hmm. it happens. And this is a, uh, this was a photo and I said, this is the, yes, it happened, but it wasn't my fault. Uh, it was, and the shorthand I like to use for this is Nashville traffic, right? Several of you struggle to be on time for things, okay? And it's always easy to blame Nashville traffic, right? Or some external cause. We do that because we don't want to offend them further and we don't want to look like we just didn't care enough to be on time, so we blame it on something else, right? Nashville traffic. And then finally, what was this last one about? Bribe. Don't say bribe. It is a bribe, but inducement. It's like a, an inducement. Nice. Um, I appreciate that on many levels. Uh, what's that? That's right. And, you, and I said, you remember all the personal injury commercials? No one ever gets on the air, Bart Durham, those guys. <coughs> you deserve an apology for what you've been through. Right? What do they say? You deserve to get what? Paid. Paid. Advertising works. You know, you know it. You deserve to get paid. And this is a way that we try to repair relationships. Can anybody think of famous examples of reparations? Really famous examples? Kobe and the Ring. Kobe and the Ring, that's a good one. Does anybody, does anybody remember this? It's a little bit of a sports-centric one. Does everybody remember what happened? This was, gosh, it's been 15 years ago, maybe? Maybe not that long ago, it's been a while. It's been a while. Kobe was on the road. Kobe's a very famous basketball player. Married, I think wife was pregnant at the time. Um, and it came out that on the road he was not faithful uh, because there was some charges filed and a lawsuit filed over something that happened in a hotel room and the horrible details of that got out. And what was his apology to his wife for his, one of the ways he attempted to repair his relationship with his wife? Big old ring. Not just a big ring, but like a big <laughs> ring, right? Most people would buy a house for you could buy a house and build meat with that ring. That was it was it was pretty impressive. Okay. Any other examples of reparations or buying them off or an inducement for forgiveness? I'm kind of an environmental person, and uh, one thing that gets me is uh, when a company or wants a piece of land that is considered natural area swamp something, you know, biodiversity in there, and they will pay 
to go buy you another piece of land as if they could create a new right you know bog or or I'm gonna say using the wrong words there but uh, to replace it because it takes like maybe hundreds of years to make it they weren't trying to make it right as best they can they don't really they but they don't to, but they, <laughs> they want to pay the pay the way out of it and get the land they want that's right after wars nations spend millions and billions of dollars to give cash to the country they destroyed like our bad we've done that any eminent domain japan now eminent domain isn't necessarily a an apology it's like i'm going to take this because i can and here's a little bit of money maybe it's market value maybe i've been helping somebody negotiate uh, an eminent domain contract this week actually okay so these are what these are things we do all right, these are ways in which we repair relationships. Now, I showed you, I said, have you ever seen a busier slide than this? And this is where we stop last week, okay? So thanks for bearing with me so we can catch everybody in here on this deep. So we had a violation and then a challenge. And I asked you guys, what is a challenge? What do you think that means? Getting called on it. What's that? Calling somebody on it. Calling somebody on it. Like, hey man, you were, you were kind of rude the other day. And that symbolizes something, right? When someone challenges you, what are they saying? A couple things, what are they saying? <clears throat> oh, important. It's important enough that I want to talk to you. Remember our CAP relationship model? I'm not going to just avoid it. I want to talk to you about it because there's something at least in our relationship which makes me want to address this. So they're still important, and what else? Set boundary setting. Yes, yes. They're still important, and I'm still important. And this isn't okay. You're important, and I'm important. We need to address this if we're gonna have a relationship going forward, unless you want this damage. So it, it symbolizes two things, the value of the other person and the value of self. Does that make sense? Okay. So there's the challenge. And then an offering. What's an example of an offering? The ring, okay, that's great. That was that last picture. What's another offering you can give somebody? What's that? Free chicken. <laughs> Free, yes, an yes. Apology. An apology, right? An apology, reparation. You can give them an external account of it was Nashville traffic. I'm so sorry that this happened. You're right to call me out, but it wasn't my fault, right? You do all those things that we showed in the previous picture. That's the offering you make. Now this goes one of two ways, right? They accept it or what? Or they don't. If I was drawing a flow chart and they disregard it, then you gotta go right back to here and try something else, right? And then hopefully we get to here. And then they, and then you are, I've been, I've been there, okay? Which I probably do all the time, right? And Derek calls me out on it. And I offer a, an apology, right? And he accepts. In our culture, in our culture, it is customary to show gratitude. Okay, so I, I should say thank you. Thank you very much. I should say that means the world to me that you accepted my apology. I hope that we can continue to be family members, friends, uh, <laughs> again, right? That's what we do in all, all cultures. Some cultures, you wouldn't know until they just were nice or smiled around you again. 
here, we typically express that verbally. Alright, so this is the model here. And what we're going to do is, in a second, we're going to talk about the two kinds of violations that we kind of, um, that we do. Two ways in which we kind of uh, offend other people and for, for which we need to apologize. So let's just give an example here. We have a relationship violation. Maybe they needed something or we broke a rule of the relationship. They acknowledge it. They call it out. And then we take restorative action, accounts, apologies, demonstration of concern, penance, then we restore the equilibrium of the relationship. The slide. You see all this empty space? I'm going to fill it. Um, now, identity violations. You can take a second to read that. I don't have to read it for you. But can someone give me a great example of an identity violation? Well, you took a job away from somebody else, and they come to you and they say, man, you made me feel like I was really worthless. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. What else? If you're the expert on something, I mean, you're sitting in a group, you know, and, I, and someone asks the other person a question, when you're the, the expert, then it feels like that you've kind of been neglected because it's like, why aren't you asking me the question? Or why aren't you asking, you know? Yeah. Why are you kind of bypassing me to ask somebody else their opinion on something when I know more about it than they do? Yeah, and, 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 and that happens, you can, you can zoom out, and that happens all the time in any group setting. When someone defers to someone, and there's someone else in the group who wish they'd asked them, or included them, or someone felt excluded. And sometimes it feels you know, unintentional, other times it feels intentional. And, and to the person who did it, they may not know they're doing it, but it doesn't change the fact that the other person's hurt by it. And stay with that, because we're going to come back to that in a minute. I, I work with rank in my job, and if I'm a firefighter, so if my chief comes below a captain to a firefighter that probably should have gone to a captain, the captain very often gets offended, thinking it should have gone down through the chain of command mm -hmm. as well as up. That's so right. it's a bypass. That's right. And in a second, we're also going to talk about, kind of about process violation. And that can teach you two ways. One, this was unjust. Okay, and we'll talk about those in a second. But two, this kind of hits at my core. Is there something about me that is uh, less than, you know, that you would go around me like that? Okay. Identity violation spouses in a marriage. Your partner goes outside of you. It's a basic identity violation. Um, mothers. How many of your mothers gave you advice to make you feel really bad about the job that you were doing as a parent, right? And then there was a rift between you and your mom. Um, you know, uh, I, I'm not saying I've ever seen that before. I'm just, I'm just saying that seems like a hypothetical that could exist in our world. Um, guys, we do this all the time, by the way we treat each other, at, whether it's an athletic endeavor, the way we include or not include people in certain groups, uh, the, even the way we compliment one, in, one another uh, and leave other people out, we do this all the time. Basic identity violations. Any other examples? Thank you guys for those. Uh, I kind of think there are subcultures yeah. in, our, uh, in our lives that sometimes it's easy to make a general statement about them. You know, intelligence, work ethic, whatever it is. And until you bump into somebody that makes it personal. That's right. Yeah. And you never know. You might 
you might offend someone directly by making a generalization like that. You may not even be made, realize you made the generalization. You may offend the spouse of somebody who closely identifies with that group. You can make some real mistakes there. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's one that's happening a lot these days, right? Okay, but understand this. There are boundaries in a relationship, okay? In every relationship, whether it's um, a romantic relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a working relationship, there are boundaries and there are hierarchies, and sometimes there are invisible lines. There can be bright lines, but invisible ones, and when you trip one of those, you cause an identity violation in another person. So, this was good. Destructive criticism, disrespect, somehow I messed up the animation there. Public humiliation, lack of consideration. All right. Now, there's a second. And this is going to go back to your example a little bit. A violation of control. We all want to feel in our lives that we have some amount of self-control for what's going to happen. That if we set a goal and we work the steps to the goal, we should be able to achieve that goal. Right? We're taught that from an early age. What do you want to do? Okay, how are you going to do that? Let's set some basic steps. And then sometimes that gets thwarted or frustrated by the actions of another. Does anybody mind if I shut that door? What would an example of the violation of control be? Like if somebody is making me late, somebody else is making me late. Yeah. Yeah. That seems, I mean, you came right with that. You like, you can change names, but can you give us a, like, a really good example of that? Um, I mean, I can think, this is something that really irritates me, like, generally speaking, so I can get lots of examples. But um, one thing is just like kids, getting the kids in the car in the morning, let's say. Um, the slowness of them, I think I'm so offended is because of violations of control. I have like a goal of getting to school on time, and their goal is um, not. <laughs> it's not lined up, you know. Um, or, you know, like at Kroger, like in the line, the cashier and this person in front of you, like chatting, like <coughs> over coffee. <laughs> if, you, if you want to take me away from being close to Christ, if there's one way out of the parking lot and you and your friend want to stop and block that in your cars and have a conversation while I'm behind you, trying to hold on to Jesus. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think that's like exactly what it is. Now that I think about it, that it's a violation of control. That's great. I'm going to hit pause for a second on this so she never finds out what I said. Yes, yeah, so uh, thank you for that generic example. <laughs> Anybody else with a violation of control? It's more than someone making you late. <laughs> what decisions do you think you should be a part of or made without you? Yeah, tell me about that. Well, I mean, just whether it be work or marital or what, whatnot, it's just, you know, when certain decisions are, are made and you find out about it, when you have input, you may have changed that decision, but you can't change it because it's been done, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's good. Um, and do you see how both can happen at the same time? Like, uh, there, there can be a, a, a control violation, right? But it can also trigger a personal violation, just an identity <coughs> violation. Your example, right? If someone goes uh, beyond you, it makes you feel less than, but also you felt there was some sort of procedural justice that was awarded. If any of you have ever been involved in litigation, okay, um, uh, family or otherwise, you're doing everything you're wanting to do, right? You're, you're, you're filling out your discovery, you're going to court, your lawyer's filing the motions, 
you're playing by the rules, and the other party's just sitting there not doing anything, letting it just last as long as possible because they're controlling you. That's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And it feels terrible, right? You feel like it's a control violation. Justice is being thwarted by this other person. Any other examples on that? I have one example, a little bit different. Uh, two weeks ago, and I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I had a distant relative die. <clears throat> His funeral was going to be in Greenbrier, 6 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And so that is not what I wanted to be doing at 6 o'clock Friday, was going to a funeral in Greenbrier, because I didn't have to fight traffic, uh, other side of town. And, and my, I caught myself thinking, why couldn't this guy have died on a different day? <laughs> no, I caught myself in this ridiculous, you know, this, you know. Get my priorities in order a bit here. Yeah. That's not a good way to be thinking. But I mean, that, that was one of my initial thoughts. Was I wish he, this funeral had not been, you know, on a Friday from 6 o'clock. Because, you know, it made one thing to my lips that I felt like I didn't have control over. I wanted to go to the funeral. Right. But, uh, you know, I had to re, uh, rewind some stuff there. That's that work. This, this relative <coughs> dying kind of jacked up your weekend. Yeah. Man. I can't teach a class on how to make dead people apologize to you. <laughs> if I did, that would be a good book, right? I, I could make some money off that. But they, yes, yeah, I think, I think all of us in our human moments have uh, been invited to a funeral or felt an obligation to go to a funeral and it was really easy. And yeah, it is a violation of control. I, I don't have a solution for that. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I have to go through a receptionist to get I'm a, I'm a provider, so I have to refer in, and there's a receptionist that feels like, and I have to go through this receptionist to get referrals, and it is very, very frustrating because it's her area, and she has control of it, and it's very frustrating to get her to move off this, not this, so. You know what? I, I have a term for this. It's called an administrative citadel, okay? Because and, and, and throughout our throughout our society, when we do business, it doesn't matter if you're a provider or a lawyer or um, you work at a university or whatever. There are people there who have relatively low-level jobs, but control so much of the procedure, right? And they and they treat it like their own administrative citadel, and they are the general there. Now they call them gatekeepers, don't they? They're they're gatekeepers. What's that? If you go again. And even if you don't know what the rules are and you go against the rules, that's right. You're in trouble. So you, you, you got it. I learned one lesson in law school that was worth the price of tuition. Mm -hmm. All right. Bring cookies to the clerks. Right? You, you, those are the people who open everything for you. Do you ever do anything to, to those people? I've never met the lady. She's in a totally different location. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say briber, but maybe an inducement <laughs> of some sort might be good. Cookies? Same. That's what I learned. Anybody else? Other drivers. Yeah. You know, like pull out in front of you and then go over to you. Take yes. control of your speed. Um. Yes. I've never done that to another person. <laughs> um, I saw a great meme the other day. The Lord moves in mysterious ways, but you don't have to. He's a wonder. <laughs> I really like that. Um, controls our ability to exert influence over our own desired goals. When our sense of self-control is violated or threatened by another's actions, either intentionally or unintentionally, we experience anxiety, frustration, and other negative emotions. Now, but we played that game early on. Remember playing power play together? Remember that game? 
And that first time, they kind of made you mad because they played the competitive card and you were trying to be agreeable because you won the three points, but they tricked you into five and you had nothing. Remember that? And our relationships are like that game because we're together over and over and over again, right? So if I've been daring and there's no apology, and this goes on time to time, it's gonna change his behavior and it's gonna change mine and we're gonna spiral in a bad way. Can I see that? Just like that game. So what we have to do is figure out ways to repair that immediately so we can figure that out. In that game we played, many of you turned around and played the helping card and let them run over you for a round, especially between round three and four when you could talk about it. I saw that several times. I see it all the time when I play that game. We offer an apology and a reparation. How we treat violations of control and identity violations can be different because you've hurt them in a different way. And just as if that person was coming to you needing medical attention because they're hurt, you would treat them according to their symptoms, right? When you've hurt someone in a different way, you need to know that. Because how you treat them because of their hurt, right, could be different. So, we did the examples. Uh, rewards, punishment, a great one are when you get passed over for a raise or a promotion, right? Um, all right, let's go to this. Guys, this slide took me hours. These little arrows, not easy. Okay. This is from, uh, and I, I, this isn't my own work. I took this from uh, a great paper. Um, and if anybody wants the details of that, email me and I'll send it to you. It's a 22-page snooze fest, all right? But this is, the, this is the real meat of the paper. And basically this. Let's say we got an identity violation, and there's and the challenge, there's been a challenge, and there's a loss of face. And face isn't some Eastern concept. We all do it, all right? We all have respect for ourselves, and we want other, pe other people to be considerate of ourselves. And we have to be considerate of other people. That's face, all right? Both self-face and consideration of others. So an identity violation, we've hurt someone or been hurt, that's a challenge. And then there's remedial tactics to restore lost face. Hopefully face is restored. So in an identity situation, okay, you would go to them and talk about how you value them as a person, how you value this relationship. You would acknowledge the things that you did and you would, you would say you're sorry, right? That would be the apology. You would address the face of the situation. In a control violation, all right, this is somewhat different. You've obstructed some goal, and so now we've got to remove the goal obstruction and restore justice. Okay, so now in this one, maybe they were passed over for a bonus and you're the boss, and you know you blew it. Maybe you were constrained, maybe there was a relationship you had to uphold, okay? and you go to them and you apologize, just maybe like you do here, because there's a small identity violation involved in that too, because they also feel less than. So you start with that, you apologize, they're a valued member, you're really sorry, all that. But the goal was what? What did they want? They wanted to get paid. Okay. So you're gonna have to do a reparation of some sort. Maybe no budget this Maybe you have to make them a promise in the future. Maybe you have to give them a title. But you're going to have to spend extra time to make that right. Do you have any questions about those two things? Do you see how they're a little bit different? Yes? I, I had a friend um, when I was an elementary school principal and I had
that I had heard. And I, I didn't, I didn't do it on purpose. At least that's the way I remember it. <laughs> but I went to her and I said, I'm sorry. And she said, Connie, you have an emotional bank account with me and you depleted that today, but it's not all gone. So I thought, wow, that's a pretty cool way to say, you messed up, yeah. but I still care. Yeah. I, uh, what was it? Was it the book? Was there a book called His Needs, Her Needs, where they talked about the bank account? Is that where that mm -hmm. that language came from? Yeah. I think that's a great analogy. Yeah. Um, I I appreciate this because sometimes it helps to see how I've hurt somebody, and then I can know how to respond to them. And for some of you who've been hurt, it helps you to go back and look. I was hurt this way. Maybe this is why that apology didn't mean a lot to me, or just maybe I wasn't in the space where I could hear it yet. Now, we're in a Bible class. Can anybody think of a great example in the Bible of an apology that included both kinds of this? This came to me a couple days ago. I was thinking about it. I thought, uh, here's a hand. Old Testament. <laughs> well, not narrowed down. What's that? Not narrowed it down. I mean, I, I eliminated half of the Bible for you. <laughs> a third of the we just had to think about like all the things that people did wrong in the Old Testament. Right, small list. <laughs> Jonah or Joseph? Okay, let's. Uh, oh, those are both good. Um, I wasn't thinking Jonah, tell me, and I wasn't thinking Joseph. But I want to hear about the Joseph one because we've only got a couple minutes. Actually, are we supposed to be done now? Okay, <laughs> let me hear about Joseph real quick. I, I, I say David. David has got a lot of good examples. Yes. Uh, well, Joseph, when he told his brothers his dreams, you know, and, and even his dad got mad about that. Mm -hmm. But then later, when he said, you intended it to harm me, that God intended it for good. That's good. That's good. Does anybody remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Mm -hmm. Okay, a massive procedural violation now, right? <laughs> Jacob steals Esau's birthright. He steals it by tricking the dad. Like, who uh, Esau was supposed to be and what he was supposed to inherit. They could have been called the Esauites or something, but no, they're the Israelites because Jacob stole the birthright. Massive problem. I mean, Esau goes to his dad, and dad, he's like, why can you give me? Dad's like, no, really not much. I'm sorry, you know? So Jacob steals all this stuff from Esau. And, and they're and late in the story they get back together. Does, does anybody remember what Jacob does before they meet? Send somebody or he sends everything in front of him. Right? He sends gifts. He sends the herd. He even sends his own kids and his family in front of him. Right? He's offering everything to make this right. And then they meet. And there's that moment of restoration. If you don't remember that story, go look at it. Of this. Next week, uh, we're going to start something different. We'll start with uh, a little simulation of this so you can practice this skill, and then we'll move on to something th different. Thanks for being here today. It was good to see you all. How old is she now? Oh, nine. Yeah, I see you're not there yet.